Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. In the land of Mitzrayim, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It is the first month of the year to you. This seems obviously like a boring piece of Hebrew history. It seems like it has no personal, powerful, prophetic, significant, relevant meaning for us today. But today I want to explain to you that is quite the contrary. This is actually a promise from God. This being the very first commandment that God gave to the nation of Israel as a nation to begin to worship him and to understand and to come together and establish a calendar. Now, I want you to know that God's calendar was not established just to count days. And we must understand why did God establish the calendar at this particular time in human history? Wouldn't it have been better for God to establish a calendar after the flood? Noah would have been a tremendous candidate to start the calendar, but God did not order it through Noah. Then we see other events in human history, such as Abraham. Wouldn't it have been very important to begin the calendar when Abraham left Syria and began to found the nation of Israel? It would seem that that would be the most important time to start the calendar. But God did not order it when Abraham left Syria to found the nation of Israel, nor did God order it for Noah. After the flood, God ordained that his calendar would begin at the time of redemption. I hope somebody understands because it is a type and a shadow of the blood of Jesus that redeems us because our life begins, time begins for you and for me through the blood of the lamb and somebody ought to give God the praise. Now, beloved saints, I want you to make an analysis of this. First of all, I want to say something about historical books in the Bible. We books in the Bible so we know it happened. Let me say that again. We do not read historical books in the Bible so we know it happened. We read historical books the Bible because they were written by the prophets, number one, and the prophets had a prophetic agenda. So whenever we read prophetic books, we really see the prophetic analysis of history so that we might be able to extract from history in our own personal lives what the prophets want us to learn, what the prophets want to teach us, what is going to be applied to our destinies. And so when we look at verse 2, Notice it says, this shall be the beginning of months to you. It is the first month of the year to you. If we were to look at this actually in the literal Hebrew, we would actually see a grammatical error. And we would see, now does the Bible have error? Absolutely, positively. There are no errors in the Bible. Even if it appears to be an error, it's done that way on purpose. And so I want you to understand 
that there appears to be a grammatical error, but it's not. It's actually a literary device. Because why? When we look at this verse, this verse says, this month shall be unto you, the beginning of months. It is the first month of the year to you. Can you say to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's for me. This is my month. This is my time. This is my season. I hope somebody's hearing this today, okay? Now, where is the grammatical, what appears to be a grammatical error, but it's done this way on purpose by Moses? It is in the context of you. You see, normally, if you are going to address a crowd of people, this was a commandment given to the nation of Israel, such as if I'm going to stand, let's just say someone here is a baseball announcer, and they are going to announce and say, today, you are going to meet our players. Well, you, if you are speaking to a crowd, is not just one person. You, if you're speaking to a crowd, is a multitude of people, isn't it? Well, the same thing here. The Bible tells us here, this shall be unto you. And it's the first month of the year to you. So it would be appropriate to put this in the plural form. But it is not written in the plural form. It is written you in the singular form. Do you know why? Because this month is for every person. God is saying that every person that is going to read this and every person that is going to experience Passover, that Passover is not just to be celebrated collectively, but that Passover is a personal experience for every person. You are going to come out of your Mitzrayim this month, and somebody ought to give God the praise and say, it's a month for me. Somebody should shout the victory. All right, so we see at the time of redemption, we see that God ordained this. And of course, we see this because we see Yeshua. We see the Messiah in the, in the month. And now, beloved saints, I want you to understand that, first of all, I want you to see that the Hebrew calendar is a calendar that God made. And we see that when the Bible is telling us this shall be the beginning of months to you, it is the first month of the year to you. Notice verse 3 says, in, in the 10th day of this month, you shall take a lamb, every man according to his family, and a lamb for the house. Notice how the beginning of months begins with atonement. I want you to understand that. The 10th day represents atonement. And we see a symmetrical similarity in the second portion of the biblical calendar as well. When Rosh Hashanah begins, 7-1, we also see on the 10th day there is atonement. So what does that mean? That means that the first part of the Hebrew calendar represents the first coming of Christ when he came as the Lamb of God. The second part of the Hebrew calendar represents Jesus coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords who will rule over the universe. And we see that every day in the calendar is covered by the blood. That means that God has already determined your protection. God has already made a way for you. Hallelujah. Through every single day of the, of the year, he has made provision for your protection. Through the blood, the 10th represents atonement. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. 
Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand in this first month, many miracles happen throughout the scriptures. And I want you to see in the first month, first of all, one of the greatest miracles that ever happened in human history happened in the first month. The Red Sea parted and the children of Israel went uh, into the Red Sea and they went across the Red Sea into the desert. This is a month when God is going to open the pathway for you that has been blocked. This is a month when you are going to see these Mitzrayim no more. You are going to see these Egyptians no more. God is about to break your bondage and you are about to pass out of Mitzrayim into the promised land and somebody ought to give God the praise. For the sake of those who do not know Mitzrayim, let me just explain it. In Hebrew, every single word has a concept behind it. And so when we say leaving Egypt, it does not just mean leaving a physical place. You see, the only time we see that the physical place and Mitzrayim both left at the same time, both in, in other words, the experience of leaving Mitzrayim and the experience of leaving Egypt actually took place simultaneously at the same time, was in the first exodus because they left Egypt, literally, physical Egypt. But Mitzrayim is the translation of, in Hebrew, from the word for Egypt into, or the word for Egypt from Hebrew into, from English into Hebrew. So we need to understand what does Mitzrayim mean. Mitzrayim can actually be, and when we read the narrative in Hebrew, we will understand, or in English, we will understand that there are four different types of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim means restrictions. Mitzrayim means borders. Mitzrayim can also mean sorrow because the Hebrew root of the word is sar, which means wound, or it means sorrow, or it means trouble. So you and I must understand that leaving Mitzrayim means leaving limitations. Leaving Mitzrayim means removing restrictions. Leaving Mitzrayim means that you are coming out of the painful past into your prophecy. Somebody ought to say, I'm coming out of my painful past, and I'm coming into my prophetic word. I'm coming into my prophecy. Prophecy. Somebody should give God the praise. So Mitzrayim, though it is leaving Egypt, you can leave Egypt physically but still have Mitzrayim inside of you because there are four types of Mitzrayim. And we see these four types of Mitzrayim actually shown to us in the narrative in Exodus chapter 1. The first kind of Mitzrayim is the Mitzrayim that is emotional Mitzrayim. We see this emotional Mitzrayim described for us in Exodus chapter 1 verse 8. Let's look at it just for a moment. Exodus chapter 1 verse 8 Chapter 1, verse 8 tells us, uh, let us look at it. And there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Can you say that with me? There arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. What does this mean? This does not mean that the new king who arose in Egypt never heard of Joseph. 
He certainly heard of Joseph. Everybody knew of Joseph. It means he refused to recognize Joseph and refused to recognize the people of Joseph. There are some of us here that for all of our lives, there have been individuals or situations where we were not recognized from the very root rudiment of who we are in our soul. For example, there are some that may maybe were never recognized by a parent, never claimed by a father, never claimed by a mother, never recognized by members of your family, those that you love. You have been through many pains, much rejection. I want you to know that during this season, you are going to leave spiritual Mitzrayim, that God is breaking off not only the spiritual bondage, but God is breaking off emotional Mitzrayim. You are going to have the strongholds of rejection broken off your life because leaving Mitzrayim means I'm leaving that painful past and I'm walking forward into the prophetic word that God's got for me. The second type of, of Mitzrayim that we are leaving during Passover through the blood of the Lamb is spiritual Mitzrayim. Spiritual Mitzrayim is bondage. Spiritual Mitzrayim is the kind of bondage that stopped us from serving God. Spiritual Mitzrayim is the kind of bondage that causes us to live lower than the destiny that God has called us to live because we are subjugated by certain behaviors or certain patterns or certain ways of thinking. I want you to understand there are some of us that are stuck in the Mitzrayim of unforgiveness. There are others of us who are stuck in the Mitzrayim of ego. There are some of us that are stuck in the Mitzrayim of selfishness. There are others of us who are stuck in the Mitzrayim of always needing to be right, of having to be so prideful. God wants to break off the spiritual Mitzrayim so that we can serve God uninterrupted. Are you with me? Notice where the freedom from spiritual Mitzrayim is spoken. Go with me to Exodus chapter 4. We're looking at verses 22 and 23. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to Pharaoh, hallelujah, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. I want you to understand the firstborns were separated and consecrated to God. When we come out of spiritual Mitzrayim, we are going to belong. We're being, we're being delivered, not just for ourselves, but we are being delivered so that we might be able to completely give ourselves to God in the service that he is requesting us to give. And the Bible says, I say unto you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your son, even your firstborn. Notice this spiritual Mitzrayim is going to take place in our lives so we can serve God. This is so that we, nothing will hold us back so that everything in our life is given to the Lord. So if there's any kind of restrictions that are holding us back from serving God, any kind of double-mindedness, any kind of one foot in the world and one foot with God, that we at this time are going to surrender everything to the Lord so that we can be God's servants and be free. Hallelujah. Somebody should shout the victory. 
then we are seeing the third type of Mitzrayim. The third type of Mitzrayim is physical Mitzrayim. Let us look at physical Mitzrayim. We spoke of emotional Mitzrayim. We spoke of spiritual Mitzrayim. I want you to see physical Mitzrayim. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1, looking at verse 13. This is what we call the Ovidim, the Avidim of the children of Israel. What is that? That's the slavery narrative. Here we are going to see in verse 13. First, let's look at verse 11. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. Let's go back up just a little bit and look at verse 9. Now, I want you to know that Pharaoh had a plan. And it was the plan to socially subjugate the children of Israel, but to also physically subjugate them, emotionally subjugate them, and psychologically subjugate them so that they would be stuck and never be able to get out. That is exactly what a Pharaoh wants to do. Because I want you to know that during this season, you must understand that Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, but he was also the king of Mitzrayim. That means that every bondage that you have in your life or any bondages that you're dealing with in your life, God wants to break them off. This is the time the king of Egypt comes down. I hope somebody's hearing this. Now I want you to see how he did this and how he manipulated the people and programmed even society of the Egyptians and began to brainwash the Egyptian people to become actually fearful of the, of the Hebrews. Notice what the Bible says. He said, behold, the children of Israel, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest there falleth out any war and they join together with our enemies and fight against us and get them up out of the land. Can you say this with me? Get them up out of the land. The only way you're going to get out of the land, the only way you're going to break out of Mitzrayim is you got to come up. The enemy wants to keep you down. The enemy wants your life limited by limitations. But God wants to set you free. I hope somebody's hearing this today. To get them up out of the land. Now watch this. That they get up out of the land, but notice the Bible says that they fight against us. In a personal, powerful, prophetic sense of scripture, the whole purpose of the subjugation, this was, I want you to understand, Pharaoh's bondage was cruel bondage. His bondage was not just to enslave the people for an industrial reason. I want you to understand that he subjugated the B'nai Israel. He subjugated the children of Israel, not just for an industrial reason. He subjugated them because he knew they were more and mightier than he. And therefore, he had to present a program. He had to present a program to brainwash them into bondage. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. When there is an abuser in our life, an abuser comes to brainwash brainwash us into the bondage to make us feel that we can never get up and we can never get out. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. 
But say this with me. I'm getting up and I'm getting out. Somebody ought to praise God and say, I'm going up to the level of my destiny that God has called me to walk in. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. Now, we're watching this, and the Bible says, as we look, notice, I want you to see this now from another perspective. Let's go back to verse 10. And he says, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. They're already miraculously multiplying because the blessing of Abraham is upon them to become as numerous as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the seashore. Lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, that they join with our enemies and fight against us and get them up out of the land. First of all, this is nothing but propaganda. This is nothing but putting fear of the people that live in Egypt and creating suspicion against the Hebrew people. Do you see that? Do you see this propaganda working? Because why? Pharaoh had a long-term genocidal program involved. He had a programmatic plan, a programmatic genocide that he was going to execute against the Hebrew people. And so he's beginning his programmatic genocide by presenting to the people that the Hebrew slaves are going to join with our enemies. They're going to fight against us. And there are too many to create suspicion among the people. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Now notice verse 11, what happens so that he has reason for his cruelty. He's going to cover up his cruelty. Isn't that something how a pharaoh always covers up the cruelty with always with some type of a euphemistic kind of phrase or some euphemistic policy. Here we see, dear child of God, we see in verse 11, the Bible says, therefore did they set over them taskmasters. Why? Because Pharaoh had already convinced the Egyptians that the Hebrews were going to be a detriment to their society. He already convinced them that they were a danger because they could join with their enemies and cause an insurrection. Notice what the Bible says. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Petom and Ramses. Well, this looks like in the natural that Petom and Ramses seem to be an industrial reason for the slavery. But in reality, if you were to take today a, a person that works in architectural design and bring them to Petom and Ramses, you would realize that structurally what they were going to build was going to fall apart. Why? Because what they were going to build was not going to be like Giza. If you go to Egypt today, you see Giza, you see the pyramids on a very flat plain, and you see... Um, you see geologically that the pyramids could actually, with millions and tons of weight, can be on that ground without any damage. But he, he deported them to this place called Petom and Ramses, which is in the Nile Delta. 
Therefore, what they are building is going to fall apart. So that we see that this is part of the psychological brainwashing. So that the B'nai Israel do not even see that their slavery is producing anything. That they are working under this labor that always breaks apart. And this is the kind of Mitzrayim that we are talking about that God wants to deliver his people from during this season. He wants to deliver you from a Pharaoh that's put you under a bondage that makes you feel like your life produces no profit. He wants to take your dream and make it feel like it will never happen. But I got a word for you tonight. This is the season of your redemption. And God wants to bring you out and somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. So P. Tom and Ramsey's really had no actual, actual industrial reason. It was for more cruelty. Looking at verse 12, therefore we see, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. This is the Abrahamic blessing on the children of Israel. And if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Because every time you're afflicted, you bounce back. Every time you're afflicted, you get up and you begin to walk. I hope somebody's hearing this today. Somebody ought to say, I'm getting ready to walk. I'm getting ready for my comeback. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. God wants you to know that you will be experienced divine multiplication in the midst of your tribulation. God is going to cause that tribulation to work on your behalf. You are going to begin to multiply. God is going to begin to increase you on the right hand and on the left. Somebody should give him praise and glory hallelujah and we see dear children dear ones we're going to see this Ovidim in verse 13 verse 13 and verse 14 and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor this is not elbow grease the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with peric this means to break apart this means everything they did, Pharaoh set it up that it would break apart, including the work detail that was up in Pitom and Ramses. Here we see in verse 14, they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field wherein they were made forced labor, wherein they were made to serve forced labor, was with rigor. It was with Peric. It broke it apart. But now I want you to understand one of the greatest miracles of redemption that we are going to see that happens, hallelujah, before the children of Israel left Egypt. And tonight, this is a miracle that God is going to perform for you. And because of the blood, we have access. Somebody ought to say, because of the blood of the lamb, I have access to every Passover promise that God is giving. Somebody should shout the victory that hallelujah. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand, look at Exodus chapter 3. I want you to see in Exodus chapter 3, this is the actually the introduction to the book of Exodus. But in Exodus chapter 3, we see the beginning of the redemption. And where does the beginning of the redemption begin? It begins at the burning bush. And today I want you to see in verses 21 
and 22, I want you to see how God brings divine compensation for all our tribulation. God is giving a word. He said, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go out, you're not going out empty. What does that mean when you go out? You're not going out empty. This means that you are coming out with spiritual substance. You are coming out with blessing. You are coming out with destiny. You are coming out with purpose. You are coming out with a calling. You are coming out. Hallelujah. Somebody should shout the victory. Somebody should say, I didn't come this far to come out empty. You are coming out. Hallelujah. You have paid a price and God is about to reward you. I want you to see the price tag that the Almighty places on the pain of his people. You might be crying yourself to sleep at night. You may be going through emotional Mitzrayim, feeling a sense of alienation, separation. No one is recognizing you. You may be going through a physical Ovidim physical type of slavery, forced labor, where someone or something is forcing you and you feel like you're working so hard and there's no profit for what you are working for. You can't see the fruit of it. You're just working and dreading every day. You don't see any purpose behind your life. It's the same thing day in and day out. See, slavery before the redemption had absolutely no hope. It was the same every single day. Pharaoh brainwashed the people to such a degree that they couldn't even speak utterly speak out their need. They could only sigh. They're so weary. Some of you have also gone through spiritual mitzvah. You're so discouraged, you don't want to serve God anymore. Some of you, some of us, maybe people in this room, are angry at God. You feel like God disappointed you in some way at spiritual mitzvah. And we're putting the blame on the wrong person. Because he actually came to give you life and to set you free from its rhyme. Your Red Sea is about to open. You're about to cross over. Hallelujah. Somebody say, my Red Sea is about to open. And there are others, beloved saints, that God's setting you free to serve him. God is setting you free to come up to the highest level of your predestined purpose in this world. And then there is what is called destinal Mitzrayim. Destinal Mitzrayim comes from destiny. Your destiny's been locked up. Who you are has been locked up. 
This is why the Bible begins the slavery narrative. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel who came into Egypt with Jacob. These are the names. Why is it these are the names? Because behind every name is a destiny. The book of Genesis tells us when a person's name is changed, their destiny changes. When Jacob's name was changed to Israel, his destiny changed. When Abram's name was changed to Abraham, his destiny changed. The Lord is saying to you that your destiny is about to change. God says, I've called you with a new name. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 62. A destinal deliverance from Mitzrayim today. But I want you to understand what God is telling Moses. God is telling Moses when you come out. They're not coming out empty. One analysis in a commentary teaches they emptied out Egypt of all the silver and all of the gold and all of the raiment. They took it out of Egypt when they left Egypt. Are you with me? The Bible says, verse 22, for every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And you shall put it upon your sons and your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, I want you to understand what this is. It does not say in the Hebrew language. It should read in the Hebrew language. If it's jewels of silver, it should read. Zagula Zahab. It should read jewels of silver. Or it should read Segula Kesef. Jewels of silver or jewels of gold, Zahab. But it doesn't. It doesn't say Segula. Segula means jewels. It does not say Segula. It says something else. Moses actually named a prophetic destiny on everything they're taking out of Egypt. He gave it the prophetic destiny name of what is coming out of Egypt. He said, Kalim Keset, vessels of silver, and Kalim Zahav. Vessels of gold. What does that mean? Those vessels were going to become the Ark of the Covenant. They were going to become the table of showbread. They were going to become the menorah. They were going to become the altar of incense. That means that what they were taking out of Egypt was going to build the tabernacle of God. What they were bringing out of Egypt was going to bring heaven down to earth. What they were taking down out of Egypt was hallelujah the holy of holies and God wants you to know that what you're about to take out of Egypt what you are about to take out of Egypt God is going to use for his honor and for his glory thank you for joining us today on day of destiny 
we invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.